Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. It is a Tuesday episode, but a very exciting one. I think it could be the best one yet because we are talking about the best bucks of all time. That's right. We are going to discuss today the all-time bucks, Mount Rushmore. Folks, there can only be four, and it's not an easy decision to make, but everyone from Pewter Report came up with our own list, and we will discuss that on today's episode. I am your host, Matt Matera, and joined with me is SR, Scott Reynolds from Pewter Report as well, the face that runs the place. Scott, I think we're in for a great episode, the best of all time, because we're talking about the greats, the people that have made Bucks fans the happiest they could possibly be over the years. And so it's going to be nothing but just great things about this list because it's all awesome players. Feeling really good about this show, Matt. I'm with you. I think this very well could be the greatest episode of the Pewter Report podcast that we've ever done. So that's got me really excited. The topic today the Bucks, Mount Rushmore, the all-time greats. You can only pick four, like you said. I mean, it was a tough call. It was really fun doing this exercise. And if you didn't follow along at pewterreport.com, that's okay. We'll catch you up. Two weeks ago, we did a Pewter Report Roundtable, which is our Saturday column where we get everybody kind of involved um, on, on pewterreport.com. We throw out a topic and all the Pewter Reporters chime in on it. Two weeks ago, it was a little easy. It was Pick the four best Buccaneers on the current roster. That's that's going to comprise the current roster, Bucks Mount Rushmore, the mythical Bucks Mount Rushmore. That was pretty easy because all three of us unanimously picked the the right guys, right? Levante David, Mike Evans, and Tom Brady. And then that fourth one, it got a little interesting. I picked Tristan Wirfs, not based just on what he's done, but just the talent level, like what he can do, what, what he will do. I think he's already the greatest Buccaneer offensive lineman of all time. He's not the most decorated. That's Tony Mayberry, three-time Pro Bowl center. He's not, you know, even the best in terms of longevity. That would be Paul Gruber, Bucks Ring of Honor member who got snubbed many years on those bad Yuccaneer football teams, didn't even make a Pro Bowl, but was still a very elite left tackle. So Tristan Wirfs, two years in, I think he's got the talent to, to be that guy. Matt, who did you pick for your fourth? Yeah, so I went with outside linebacker Shaq Barrett, and I understand he hasn't been there as long as some of the other Buccaneers, kind of like, you know, Donovan Smith, I think, if you want to make a yeah. case for Donovan Smith, I wouldn't really argue against uh, against that, that point. But I went with Shaq Barrett for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think he's going to go down as the, we're talking about the best and the greatest, yeah. the greatest free agent signing other than Tom Brady that mm-hmm. the Bucks have ever had, or especially that Jason Light has ever yeah, done besides sure. Tom Brady. Because you got to remember, they plucked Shaq Barrett off of the Broncos, who wasn't getting playing time. Yeah. He wasn't very well known. <laughs> and Scott, what did he do in his first year with the Bucks? He broke the Bucks franchise record for yes. sacks in a single season with 19 and a half. In his three years here, he's been to two Pro Bowls. He's had double-digit sack seasons in two of them. And my last point, too, with Shaq Barrett, other than being a leader as well, too, and the fact that he's going to be a mentor to Joe Tryon Shyanka and, you know, some of the other guys along the, the defensive line and an outside linebacker, I think Shaq Barrett especially has really come up in big moments. You look at the yeah. Super Bowl run two seasons ago, got a little stifled the first two games, but the third game against the uh, the Green Bay Packers, he had three sacks in that game. He had a hat trick. You look at the Super Bowl. He had one sack. He had double-digit pressures. It was him and JPP that were running rampant 
yes. across the offensive line, getting to Patrick Mahomes or at least getting in his way to force a lot of incompletions. I think Shaq Barrett has really shown up in a lot of crucial moments for the Fox. You look at the playoffs last year. Obviously, everyone was disappointed in that Rams game. But look at the right. Eagles game. He had the interception when he was playing That's injured. Fine. He had that leaping interception, a huge play. I just think Shaq, what he's meant to this team since he's gotten here, I understand it's been a short period of time. But the impact that he's made in that time, I think it's hard hard to argue against him. Yeah, and you know the thing is, is when, you, when you're talking about Shaq Barrett, right, two Pro Bowl seasons in his yep. first three years in Tampa, right? And, you know, I think that, that you're, you're spot on to include him in that list because he's already done something legendary, right? It's like when you're looking at, at uh, you know, like Hall of Famer, right, Warren Sapp. Now, we're not going to put Shaq Barrett in the Hall of Fame yet, but who knows? A couple, couple of years like this where he's getting double-digit sacks and, and breaking some records, maybe he's there. But, I mean, to sit there and break Warren Sapp's single-season sack record, there's Sapp and Barrett. Back in 2019, uh, when when Sapp was on the field, when Barrett did that at Raymond James Stadium, got the sack record. I mean, that's a special accomplishment, right? And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm all I'm all for Shaq, man. I think the dude is an absolute beast, and I'm really excited to see what he does this year as they're chasing another Super Bowl, playing opposite Joe Tryon Shoinka, who I think is going to draw some attention himself. And I think this is a really nice bookend, having Shaq Barrett on one side, JTS on the other. Who are you going to double, right? It's probably going to start off being Shaq, but I think JTS is going to heat up in those first couple games to where (laughs) you might have to throw some protection his way, some double teams, and that's going to free Shaq up to do what he does, which is get to the quarterback. I also think it's very important to point out that Warren Sapp gave Shaq Barrett the Sapp seal of approval. And as we talked about recently on this show, it's difficult to get the (laughs) Sapp seal of approval. All right. That does not come to everyone. But I I agree with you, Scott. I think um, it's going to be a huge year for Shaq and just the defensive line in general. I think for opponents, it's going to be pick your poison. Do you want to double team Vita Vea? Okay, fine. Shaq Barrett's going to get one-on-one opportunities. And I think Shaq, uh, up, he's up there with some of the best pass rushers in the league, but I think what Shaq does so well, and you know, he's not the tallest guy. He's not the biggest. Yeah. He's obviously quick, but Shaq, I think is one of the best at um, we've equated pass rushing at times going up against an offensive tackle, kind of like boxing where you yeah. might hit him with the jab a couple times and then right. you come with the hook mm-hmm. or, or the, uh, the uppercut. That's essentially what Shaq does. Yeah. He might not get, you know, first snap of the game. He might not get the sack. Even though that year when he broke uh, the Bucks sack record, he was getting like three sacks a game, like it was yeah. nothing. But it's Shaq forced fumbles. You know? Yeah, I think Shaq does a great job though of really setting things up. Where all right, he might give you the bull rush a couple times, and wham, here comes the swim move, or you know, or right. a rip, or something like that. He sets things up great. So I think the more one-on-one opportunities that he gets, because Akeem Hicks is you know mixing it up down there and Vita Bay as well. As well, I think it's going to be great for him. Joe Grizz here says Hicks. Going to be driving boys the blue. Going to be boys giving the boys blue. blue. Yeah. Sorry, I can't yeah. read right now. Yeah, he's such a technician. Yeah, I, I think he's obviously an upgrade just from a pass rushing standpoint from the Dominican Sue. And Sue had a, a solid year with sacks last year, so yeah. I'm excited to see what Hicks can do. And obviously, opens things up for uh, for JTS as well. Exactly. So Tristan Wirfs becoming the first offensive lineman in Bucks history to to be on the All Pro team in addition to a Pro Bowl. So, um, you know, as good as Tristan Wirfs is and will be, maybe he'll be on this list, this Bucks Mount Rushmore all-time roster list 
at some point, but he's not there yet. And as good as Shaq Barrett is on the current roster, you know, he doesn't deserve to, to have his name included among the greats yet. So we had several pewter reporters contribute to this. Uh, let's see. We had myself, Matt, JC, Josh, and Bailey. So the, out of the five of us, it's interesting, right? Because when you look at, at the, the two Super Bowl teams, right, uh, that Super Bowl team in 2002, and I'm not sliding John Gruden or Brad Johnson or, or Keyshawn Johnson or Mike Allstadt at all. What I try to tell people is, is yes, the Buccaneer defense ruled that day with all the sacks, with the five interceptions, with the three pick sixes in the game, one by Derek Brooks, two by Dwight Smith. That was a defensive-driven Super Bowl win. I get that. At the same time, John Gruden's offense finally came to life during the second half of the season with the defense carrying the load early on in the year. But the, the offense finally came to life. Take away those picks and those pick sixes and just look at the at the raw score. The Bucks offense uh, would, have, would have beaten the Raiders 27-21. So the offense put up enough points on its own to win that game. But when you pour those those defensive touchdowns on the board, Matt, it's 48 to 21, right? So that's, that then to be in the final score. Then you've got this Bucks offense that was a juggernaut in 2020, uh, improved with the addition of Tom Brady, obviously, over what Jameis Winston did in 2019. Averaged 30 points per game. And a matter of fact, scored at least 30 points per game in seven out of the last eight games of the season, including seven in a row, all playoff games and that Super Bowl. The Bucs offense did its part, but Matt, the defense on that day, Todd Bowles, nine points. Kansas City scored on this Buccaneer defense. Shaq Barrett, as you mentioned, all over the field, probably could have and should have been the MVP of that game if Tom Brady hadn't thrown three touchdowns in the first half to give them that lead. But it's it's interesting that, that Tampa Bay – even though they've won two Super Bowls, the offense has done its part, but the defense has really ruled the day, has it not? Absolutely. I think when you when you imagine the Bucs organization in general, they've always been a team that's built around defense, and it started with that, that first Super Bowl winning team. I think some franchises, you just think of like, okay, the Steelers, you're going to run the ball and play defense. Yeah. The Packers, they've had elite quarterbacks going from, you know, way back in the day Mark to Star, you know, Mark Star to, to Brett, Brett Favre, Favre and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and when when I think of the Bucks, I just think of that that gritty, tough in your face defense where you're going to be thanking your lucky stars if you get a first down, let yeah. alone get across midfield yeah. or score a touchdown. That's why I found this all-time Mount Rushmore so interesting, Scott, because we come from a lot of different perspectives for sure. Yeah. Um I'm not going to get on you about your age. I I'm think the dumbest, old man. I think the dumbest thing is <laughs> to make fun of someone. Buccaneers in 1995. You know? I think it's so dumb to make fun of someone like because they're old. Because literally everyone's going to get old or yeah. you know, continue to keep aging. I just but, have more wisdom because I'm older. That's all. <laughs> exactly. But part of this I'm just excited for because you know, you've know you experienced – you've been there like up front. You've been covering yep. the team for so long. So like your experience of watching these teams are much different than mine. You know, right. when the Bucs won their first Super Bowl, it was the year 2003. It was the 2002 season. Yeah. You know, I was still in elementary school, you know? Right. So it wasn't like I was watching the – and I grew up in New York, so I wasn't even – it wasn't like I was watching the Bucs every single week, you know? Yeah. I've heard of Warren Sapp, you know? Right. I heard of Rondé Barber because, you know, I, I You should have drafted man. Warren Sapp up there with the Jets. Yeah, yeah, you drafted, I drafted uh, the tight end, uh, Kyle – 
I don't remember his name, but yeah, yeah. I remember it was a tight end and everyone was angry about it. But it, it's, it's so funny too, yeah. because at the time, I think I was playing flag football. It was a year before I started playing tackle football and yeah. my team was the Raiders and we won the championship. Okay. And then, so that Super Bowl was the Bucks and the Raiders. Yeah. Yep. But I rooted for the Bucks. Everyone was like, what are you doing? Like, you played for the Raiders. I don't know. Something <laughs> about that Bucks team I just really yeah, liked. Whether it was Warren Sapp, Keyshawn Johnson obviously had played for, for the, the Jets. Jets. And right. I guess even as a young kid, I knew that things were going to be bad for the Jets. So I might as well root for former <laughs> Jets to go and, you know, do something. That's another great, team. Man. So I liked them because of Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah. I remember, too, there was a great commercial. This had to happen a year or two after the Bucks won the Super Bowl. But obviously, Rondé Barber's twin brothers with – Tiki Barber, who yep. was a Kyle running Brady. back. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Will, Will was, Brewer came was up. Was a uh, was the running back for the yeah. Giants. And I remember there was they were doing like some type of you know foot locker Reebok commercial, whatever right. it was. And you know, the person goes, Oh, hey Tiki, and it turns around, he's Ronde. He's like, no, I'm Ronde. I got the <laughs> ring or whatever. And he like he put it up and it showed the Super Bowl ring. Right. That just sticks with my head. But the point I'm trying to make is like my perspective of picking this. Bucks all-time Mount Rushmore mm -hmm. is going to be a little bit different because I've seen this team. You know, I've watched the yeah. videos. I've read up. I've looked at the stats and everything. Sure, and, there, and there's some recency bias, and that's okay. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever, right? Because, uh, you know, I, I even have that too. Like, I, I hold Warren Sapp in a higher regard and, and Derek Brooks too than I do Leroy Selman just because I watched them play. I walked in the building in 1995, and I saw these guys rise up from their rookie years to becoming, you know, playoff yeah. contenders, playoff teams, Super Bowl winners, Hall of Famers. So so I grew up with them more so than Leroy Selman. I'm not knocking Selman. I just have a more exactly. of an attachment to to Leroy Selman or to uh, to Warren Sapp for that reason, you know. So that's that's part of it. Um but it's really interesting. It's super interesting because um there were no parameters here. You could pick whoever. And even even in my uh, in, in my list, I prefaced it by saying a couple years ago, this would have been four defensive players. Yes. Like easy, right? Mm -hmm. Four defensive greats. And, 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 you know, you're maybe if you're an A-train enthusiast and, and I love Mike Allstott, I appreciate him, but. There's he, only four spots. There's only you know, four like spots. Someone's yes. going yeah. to get left so off. Mike Allstott for all the touchdowns he scored, you know, for, for being the power and, and, and the, the uh, momentum of the Bucks offense in the late '90s and early 2000s, uh, all the Pro Bowls that he made as a as a fullback, he was you know, he was a weapon. Is what he was. He was a, a pass catching fullback out of the backfield. He was a runner. He was a blocker for Warwick Dunn and others for Michael Pittman, and he just was a weapon, right? He was the the best weapon in Bucks history, not named James Wilder, right? And Wilder had the misfortune of playing for some really bad teams. But James Walsh, to his credit, is still the leading rusher in Bucks history and probably right. will be for some time, right? So, so uh, you know, there, there's that. But but it would have been four defensive players, right? And before I go any further, because we're going to give you the list here, and and some of these, some of, of what we found out in doing this, and there's no parameters. So we all had just picked four players, and there's no guidelines, and we're going to share our each of our lists with you. But before I do that, I, I, I've got to share some good news with you. And the good news is the fact that I've had uh, two Celsius today. Uh, the I'm first working on one, one. Was tropical vibe. Second one was orange, and I need the second one not because the first one didn't work. I had the first one at five thirty this morning, and that got me up. It got me energized throughout the day. The second one is just to power my workout because I'm mentally alert, 
But listen, I've been working since 5.30 today, getting a little fatigued, and this is going to pet me up because I'm going to hit the gym after my appearance here on the Peter Report podcast. And so whether it's one Celsius a day or two, folks, uh, you've got to get your hands on a Celsius and, and for a lot of reasons. It gives you the energy that you need without the sugar crash. Now, how does that happen? Well, because there's no sugar in it. It's the energy that you need to live fit. It's essential energy with seven essential vitamins. No preservatives, no artificial colors or flavors. The peach vibe tastes like peach. The orange tastes like orange. Tropical vibe tastes like uh, pineapple, pineapple and, and, and star fruit, right? Uh, the Arctic vibe tastes like you're having some cold berries in your mouth. They're fantastic flavors. So make sure that you get your hands on some Celsius. Go to pewterreport.com, click on the Celsius banners when you're reading our stories, or go to celsius.com, click on the store locator. Once you're there, type in your address. You'll have all these uh, bodegas, as Matt would say, all of these convenience <laughs> stores, these health and fitness stores, uh, grocery stores that sell Celsius around you are going to pop up. Make sure you go there, grab a couple cans, try a couple flavors. Once you find the ones that you like, because there's going to be more than one, I've go, we, we should have a Mount Rushmore of, of Celsius yeah. too. That, <laughs> I feel like that's coming this summer. Definitely. But once you find the flavors you like, folks, head to Amazon. They will ship them right to your door, lickety split. And you can do the subscribe and save and, and schedule those deliveries, whether you want them every week, every two weeks, every month, every other month, however you want them. But when you do that, you're going to save some money. It's a great way to enjoy Celsius and get the energy that you want and need and doing so while you're saving some money. Shout out to Celsius. I am rocking the sparkling orange pomegranate today. Fantastic flavor. Show. I've been using the, the Peach 5 for a while, but I want to mix yep. it up a little bit today because that's the beauty of Celsius is all right. of the variety of flavors uh, in the cans that they have. All right, exactly. Scott, do you want to start? Old yeah. school or new school when it comes L to Let's start with the common denominator. And this was a bit surprising. The common denominator, the, the one player that made the list for myself and Matt and JC Allen and Josh Capo and Bailey Adams was not a defensive player. It was none other than Mike Evans. Mike Evans. And you might think, oh, well, that's recency bias. Well, listen, folks, I'm the old timer on the squad. And I'll tell you, as much love as I have for Mike Allstott and the respect, this guy is the greatest weapon in Bucks history, right? How can you argue, Matt, with eight straight 1,000-yard seasons? That not only makes him one of the, the greatest, well, I should say the greatest Bucks offensive weapon of all time. It makes him one of the NFL's greatest weapons of all time. This guy is not just a, a pass catcher, a yards producer. This guy gets in the end zone. He he set and then broke his own record for touchdowns in a, in a season. He gets double-digit touchdowns more often than not. Um, this is the preeminent weapon on the offensive side of the ball. And for a team that's so rich and steeped in defensive history, Matt, I think it's pretty incredible and correct that all five of us picked Mike Evans. He's the lone common denominator on all of our teams. You're absolutely right. Just for the mere fact that the Bucs are so defensive heavy that for him to stand out, I don't want to say above, but alongside the rest of the great players that we're going to talk about, that's tough to do it from the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, we talked about the, or you just talked about the, the stat that he has, the NFL record of eight straight seasons to begin a career with a thousand yards or more and counting. So we'll see how yeah. long that he goes. It helps him 
as well. And it hurts him too that there's that 17th game because it can help him help him build his record to keep going. Yeah. But for all the new up and coming wide receivers, right? They still they have that extra game as a rookie when they're still trying to figure it out. Which didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, could could hurt Mike in that sense. But again, he's going to be able to build it for as long as he can. And I think there's just so many other pieces of information for Mike that just makes it so important. One, he's one of the most unsung wide receivers across the NFL. You know, for years, yes. people have been talking about DeAndre Hopkins, Julio, Tyreek Hill. For whatever reason, Mike doesn't get in those conversations as much. I understand, Bucks fans, we all know what Mike Evans is about. But he hasn't always gotten that national, you know, coverage that he deserves until the Bucks started, you know, to, to play better. And, of course, he's smashed so many different records. You go to single-season records. In 2018, he broke that with uh, 1,524 receiving yards. Right. Um, 2021, 14 touchdown receptions, single season record. Um, he's the career leader in receptions with 606. He's the career leader in uh, re- receiving touchdowns with 75 yeah. yards. Um, clo- and and after that, he he broke Mike Allstott's total touchdown. Record. Yes. So he's he scored the most points outside of kickers in Bucks history from an offensive weapon. Yeah, absolutely. There's only one record that Mike Evans does not have, and that is single season uh, receptions. He is third on that list with 96. Keyshawn Johnson, former New York Jet great, it has the record with 106. So Mike has pretty much literally any accolade that you could think of. Mike Evans has not just in the NFL, but on this Bucks roster. And I also think it's important to point out, Scott, the quarterbacks that he's worked with. I mean, you look at his rookie right. year when that team, what did they win? One game, two games? Uh, yeah. That first year? Yeah. He worked with Mike Lennon. He worked with Jameis. He worked Josh with Josh McCown. Fitz- Josh McCown. Yeah. He worked with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He didn't get Tom Brady until, that's three, right. You know, three seasons ago. If you look at all other Hall of Fame wide receivers, you know, even someone like Randy Moss worked with. Brady, Dante Culpepper was an above average quarterback. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, T.O. had Jeff Garcia and Donovan mm-hmm. McNabb. Marvin Harrison had Peyton Manning. So yep. Hall of Fame wide receivers usually, for the most part, work with above above level talent or above average right. talent. Mike, with all due respect to some of the quarterbacks we've named, hasn't really gotten that until, you know, Great James point. had a huge arm and James could throw the ball down the field. So stats-wise probably helped Mike. But until Tom Brady got there, we're talking about, and we all love Fitz too. I'm not, I'm not yeah, trying to yeah. Fitz here, but you know, <laughs> he's good for like three games a year. You know, it's like the, the Fitz, the Fitz magic, it wears off. Right. I mean, yes. we love Fitz, but like, we're keeping it real. I mean, he's, he went on like nine teams for a reason. So. And Scott, um, I think on top of that too, it's really important. Cause again, there's no criteria to this. It's just kind of our opinions and, yeah. and what we look at as important. I think it, it's, you know, Mike obviously deserves a shout out for, not just the player that he is, but the person that he is, you know, the Mike Evans family foundation does so many great things. He just had an event last weekend where, you know, they provide scholarships for kids that might not have that opportunity to get to college, but if they get good grades, you know, the Mike Evans family foundation gives them scholarships. Uh, They also support, uh, you know, foundations Mm -hmm. to help families that deal with domestic violence. So, Mike is the type of guy that, you know, he will take the shirt off his back to give it he to will. someone else. Now, there, there's I, a, yeah, go I, ahead. I will say this. I, I know some fans get all giddy about, oh, my gosh, Mike Evans restructured his contract again. 
you know, <laughs> and, and that's great. But understand, every time Mike has restructured his contract, he's getting every single penny that was in his original deal. He's just getting it in a different form. Maybe it's a roster bonus to where it's more money up front. Maybe he's taking a, uh, a pay reduction one year to get a pay increase the next year, but it's still guaranteed. So I, I'm, I'm not raining on, on Mike Evans at all. I love the guy. But it's not like he's taking one for the team by doing those restructures. He's helping the team out, but he's not taking a pay cut or anything like that. But what I will say, and, and this, you know, this, this should be stated more uh, than, than it has been, especially in this climate. He has not held out at all. He hasn't held out one day from his rookie deal to to any of, of, of these these episodes, you know, I mean, Chris Godwin's making more money than he is, right? I mean, Mike Evans has done more for this franchise than Chris Godwin, but he's a good teammate. He's going to show up. He's not going to hold out. And, and I think he's the ultimate team player. And I think for that, more so than willing to take, you know, rearrange the, you know, the, the, the paydays that he gets, um, that to me is where he really deserves some props and some praise. Because he is a team first guy. He understands what Tom Brady's understood for most of his career, which is, yeah, I could get paid more, but that means that maybe another teammate is, is you know, they can't afford him, right? So it, it's going to hurt the team a little bit if I want a bigger piece of the pie because it's going to make everybody else's pie a little you know, piece of the pie smaller. And so I think that's where Evans deserves the credit. That and the off-the-field triumphs that he has in the community. Um, you you marry those two facets with what he does on the field and his his availability. I mean, playing you know through pain. I mean, you don't think that those thousand-yard seasons haven't come at a price, Scott? I mean, just think about his four his first ever playoff game in that Super right. Bowl run against Washington. He almost, he almost didn't get a, yeah, he almost didn't play. He almost didn't get those, you know, a thousand yards because yeah. he injured his leg on a play like right before, you know, I, I believe he scored. It was, right after. It was, it was the it was, next play yes. after. Yeah. He was yeah. going to catch a touchdown. He slipped, his knee kind of went out on the, the wet grass and I mean, it looked bad. He was helped off the field, didn't play again. You know, they're playing the Washington football team the next week, and you're like, is this guy done for the year? Like, what's going on? And then he balled he out, out, got like over 100 yards, yeah. like was the main catalyst for the Bucs winning the game. You know, Come on. Just... Yeah, Mike, Mike Evans. Listen, on a team that's so rich with so many deserving candidates on the defensive side, um, I'm proud of us. I, th I think that, that we nailed the right guy uh, there. Now, the other interesting thing as we move on to – uh, and we'll kind of talk about everybody's team individually, but we're going to talk about sure. two guys. One was was Evans because he's the unanimous guy. The other interesting thing is on almost every team. Uh, let's see here, uh, except for except for for Bailey. Uh, Bailey was the only uh, only person that did not have two offensive players and two defensive players. Which again, it's kind of crazy to think about, right? Because you are you're looking at a team that just a couple of years ago would have been a, like a complete flush of, yeah. of defensive players, and rightly so, because this team has what now four Hall of Fame defensive players in Leroy Selman, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Rondy Barber should be coming up next. That's that would that would be five Hall of Famers. We will so, talk about that. <laughs> yeah, all, all of the Hall of Famers in this team are on the defensive side. So 
it would have been easy to pick four or three, but myself, you, JC, and Josh all picked two offensive players and two defensive players. And I, and I, I'm kind of proud of us for that too, because football, it, it's, it's a team sport. It's complimentary football. We hear it all the time. It's not just coach speak, Matt. It's the offense and the defense have got to play together, right? You can score, you know, 35 points in a game on offense, but if you give up 38, you lose. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like you can, uh, like the saints, you can, you know, you can hold the saints to nine points, but if you don't score 10, like what happened, unfortunately to the Buccaneers on Sunday night football, if you don't score 10, you lose. So it's interesting that again, no parameters on, on what comprise these teams, but four out of the five of us picked two offensive players and two defensive players. Yeah, and I, I won't speak for how anyone else constructed their, you know, uh, all-time Bucks Matt Rushmore. But for me personally, I want to get a good mix of the the first team that won the Super Bowl and the other team that won the Super Bowl, uh, yep. you know, two seasons ago. And I, I right. think so, Matt. It, let's let's start with you. So you have Mike Evans, and then um, who else did you have on your team? Let's start there. Yeah, in no particular order, I had Mike Evans, I had Rondé Barber. Warren Sapp and Tom Brady, TB12, yep. to to make my four. So um, I guess I'll – you want me to go with Brady? or Yeah, let's talk into... about Brady. Let's do yeah, it. Well, so and, Tom... and the reason that reason I say say that is because out of the five of us, Matt, you and I had the exact same four players. Yes, we so did. Let's let's talk about uh, our selections first here. And, and, uh, and Tom Brady was the selection on all four of, of ours – uh, yourself, mine, JC, and Josh. Uh, Bailey only went with one offensive player. We'll talk about Bailey's uh, in, in a little bit here, but mm -hmm. his lone offensive guy was was Mike Evans. He said it came down to Evans or Brady. He went with Evans because of the longevity and because you know he helped win that Super Bowl too, at least get the team there. He didn't do a whole bunch outside of draw personal fouls, or I should say pass interference penalties in that Super Bowl, uh, but he accounted for a lot of hidden yardage. But um, but yeah, I mean, Tom Brady comes to the Buccaneers in 2020 and takes a seven and nine team to 11 and five. And when you switch out the quarterbacks, Jameis Winston for for Tom Brady, I mean, magic happens. Scott, there's so many there's so many ways that we can go about this with Tom Brady. I, I think the first two points I want to make is one, when Brady got to Tampa, he plucked the Bucks from obscurity. All right. Mm -hmm. They were a team that. Sure, maybe they were just a quarterback away, but they need to get that quarterback. And they yeah. didn't just get a quarterback. They got the greatest of all time. And that's the next point I want to make. Like Brady is the greatest of all time when it comes to the game of football. There are only a certain number of people in this world, in the world of sports, that really you know transcend the sport that they play. Yeah. It's, it's Michael Jordan in basketball. It's yeah. Tiger Woods in golf. Wayne Gretzky right. in hockey. That's Tom Brady in mm -hmm. football and the fact that he came to tampa and didn't just come here you know we, we've seen the story we, we've seen it happen before where you know joe montana went to the chiefs brett Favre went to the jets and then the vikings peyton manning won a super bowl with denver but he didn't do it in his first year brady came to town and changed everything yeah. for this franchise think about the butterfly I, I didn't even get to the stats and what he did right think about right. the butterfly effect of yes. okay if tom brady doesn't come here you know, after they won the Super Bowl, maybe Shaq Barrett doesn't decide to re-sign 
with the Bucs. Right. Maybe Chris Godwin doesn't decide to re-sign with the Bucs. Right. Maybe Leonard Fournette never comes to Tampa Bay. Maybe Antonio Brown. I know it ended badly, but maybe AB doesn't come that first year. Remember, he scored a touchdown. Rob Gronkowski doesn't come to that's Tampa. Right. Yeah. You know, if that's the case. <laughs> so the butterfly effect of Brady coming here in the first place obviously affected that first year when they won the Super Bowl. But it had a trickle-down effect for the next two seasons. Yeah. Maybe they don't re-sign all the guys that they did for the 2021 season. They didn't reach their goal, but right. they were in a position to go and do it. And then you look at the stats. Brady's been here two seasons. He's going into his third year. Yeah. He already has the single-season franchise record mm-hmm. for passing yards. With, and he did both of these last season, 5,316 right. and passing touchdowns with 43 touchdowns. Yeah. He... Overall in his career, he's just under 10,000 passing yards. He has 83 career touchdowns. If yep. he puts up the same numbers as he did last season, he will be the Bucks' all-time leader in passing <sighs> touchdowns in three seasons, yeah. and he'll be second in passing yards. Yeah. What yeah, he's done crazy. for the – And how about all the uh, – I know I'm taking up a lot of your time here, Scott. Oh, yeah. but how about the number – of primetime games that the Bucs have played since Tom Brady got, has gotten here. They yeah. played more in the last two seasons than they have what feels like in the last decade. That's and true. that's because of Tom Brady, it all is. right? Yeah. Not because they're good. Well, it is partially because they're good, right. but it's because of Tom Brady. You're right. I mean, he's he's a tour de force. He is a juggernaut, a one-man gang, whatever you want to call it. He's an icon. And listen, you know, it, it, He's synonymous with the Patriots, right? When you when you ring when you win six rings in New England, you, you know he's going to go in as a Patriot in the Hall of Fame. That's fine, but he's still a Buccaneer. He still has legacy here, especially coming in and winning a Super Bowl in his first year. He didn't even do that in in New England, right? I mean, I mean th- that that's that's a, a, a an amazing feat unto itself. And granted, he is the greatest of all time. So it's not that much of a surprise that that happened, but it's no guarantee that when he came to Tampa in 2020, that was going to happen that year. So for the Buccaneers to put him in the Bucks ring of honor, which will eventually happen. And for us to put him on the Bucks Mount Rushmore to borrow Tom, because he's still part of the red and pewter. It's fine. And you want to do that, right? You want um, uh, some of that gold, right? You want some of that. And, and, uh, and, and he's deserving for all the statistics that you mentioned, he helped change the culture. And I think the lessons of Tom Brady, the preparation, the attention to detail, those types of things were something that it permeated the Bucks locker room, not just on the offensive huddle, but on the defensive side of the ball too. Yes. And will, I believe resonate with this team when Tom is gone as well. They might not find the same level of success, but I th- I think they're going to have sustained success after Tom Brady because of that. So yes, uh, I, I definitely believe Tom Brady deserves to be on Mount Rushmore too. So it's interesting, right? So we, we essentially have started off our list here with two out of the four on the offensive side of the ball, which again is kind of stunning given how all of the Hall of Famers currently on this team are on the defensive side. The 1979 bucks were built on defense. The the 2002 bucks, even the 99 bucks, they were this close to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. losing to the Rams in St. Louis. The the 2020 bucks defense wasn't a slouch by any means, 
but we we've got Evans and Barber, you know, in there. Um, uh, Brady, I'm sorry, Brady. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the next one here. So uh, your other two and my other two were let's let's start with Warren Sapp because Warren Sapp, like Tom Brady, uh, almost w- was a unanimous pick. He was picked on four out of the five. I had Sapp, you had Sapp, J.C. Allen had Sapp, and Bailey Adams had Sapp. Um, Josh Capo did not. He went instead with Leroy Selman. And so uh, let's talk about Leroy Selman for a, a quick second here. I, I think the thing with Leroy is back in the day, and I, I've, I've seen the, the footage. I've talked to Mark Cook, the late, great Mark Cook, uh, enough about Leroy Selman. And some of the old-time uh, columnists and sports writers, this, this guy was, he was an absolute uh, animal. Uh, a nice guy, a gentle giant off the field, but um, a, a complete monster on the field. He was the defensive player of the year in 1979. Now, the Buccaneers have only had three defensive players of the year. It started off with Leroy in 79. Warren Sapp was that player in 1999, and I, I believe. And then in 2002, it was Derek Brooks. Mm-hmm. So uh, Selman really got the defensive train going in Tampa. And And while I... Um, have great affection for Leroy Selman. It's hard for me to put him in there over a Warren Sapp or a Derek Brooks or a Rondé Barber, just simply because those players reached the pinnacle and they won. They won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I think you could look at that in two ways, though. Because again, I, I don't, I don't think you, we say football is a team game, so I don't know, right. if, like individually you can necessarily knock one guy because you know his, his team didn't win. It kind of goes back to what you were saying about James Wilder, where he was a yeah. great running back. He was just on terrible teams. Right. So he's not going to get, the, well, and, and the let me, accolade. you're right. And, and let me, let me kind of preface that by saying, sure. I'm, I'm not knocking Leroy Selman because he wasn't on a Super Bowl team. Right. It, it's almost like when I, when I coached uh, South Pasco Predators pop Warner football. Right. And I have to tell the parent, I'm not starting your your kid because he missed practice. I'm starting this other kid because he was at practice. Like I understand, you know, little Johnny was sick, right? And I'm not holding that against him, mm-hmm. but I have to reward the the player who was here and who was practicing, you know, for those four or six hours during the week uh, while your kid was out. So it, it's it's not your kid didn't do anything wrong. He was sick, but in the meantime. There, there was somebody on this team that was learning the, the new defense for the week, learning the new plays, practicing, getting better. And I can't slight that kid because your, your kid wasn't here. So that's almost kind of how I would equate this as well. No knock on Leroy Selman, but Warren Sapp did it. And he, you know, you look at the accolades that Sapp had, um, very much like how Tom Brady changed the culture. Warren Sapp changed the culture too. He was, he ruled that, that locker room with an iron fist. He demanded accountability. Um, he, he was, he was the badass on the team and uh, Hardy Nickerson was kind of the original badass on that, that Buccaneer team coming to the team in 92, 93, uh, 94. And then Sapp came in 95 and kind of, you know, picked up the, the mantle from Hardy Nickerson, but it was the attitude that Sapp had that, that badassness that, that permeated all throughout the stadium, right? And listen, you know, he, he was he was an asshole. He's still an asshole to this day. I love the guy. We're, we, we had our run-ins. I'm friends with Sap. 
Um, but I've always said that I think a lot of the Buccaneer fan base, you know, um, you know, that they could take him or leave him Monday through Saturday, but they would take him every Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. I do want to talk about Leroy Selman and Warren Sapp in just a moment, but uh, first, I do want to tell you guys about mybookie.ag. There's a lot of great things in sports going on right now, even with football not in its season. The U.S. Open is coming up this week, and there's a lot of controversy in golf, so that's going to be exciting. You got the NBA Finals. We'll see if the Warriors win their next game. They're up 3-2. Stanley Cup, Bolts start tomorrow, going to Colorado. Go Bolts. And, of course, you have the baseball season in full swing. And 162 games of a baseball season can feel like a grind to watch. I understand. But you can put the excitement back into it each and every time with my bookie. There's run lines, money lines, props galore. First inning, no runs, my favorite bet in all of sports. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win like my bookie and getting started is simple. You deposit up to a thousand dollars and play with $500 instantly. Just use the promo code pewter to claim a, my bookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the, my bookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code pewter to secure your first deposit bonus up to a thousand dollars with my bookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet you halfway all the way up to $1,000. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.ag. And again, the promo code for that is Pewter. One last thing I want to say about Leroy Selman is, I know not all of the stats were, uh, like Sack, I don't think was a, a, a credited stat when he was playing in the game, but they... I mean, Selman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, with Selman. Yeah. Um, they went back and recorded everything. So he's technically the Bucks' all-time leader in sacks when, when it comes to that category. And yeah, it, it's interesting because the Buccaneers still consider Leroy Selman, the all-time sack leader. And I believe yeah. Warren Sapp is like a sack and a half short, but the yeah. NFL, because they didn't start counting sacks, I think until 1982, uh, according to the NFL, Warren Sapp is, is the Bucks sack leader, but the team was responsible for counting tackles and sacks and all that stuff. So the Buccaneers still, Still, you know, they 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 say that Selman is, and even Sap kind of understands that and respects yeah. that. But. Yeah, no, I I totally got you. And Selman's just one of those players where it's like, I I wish I had more perspective. Like if I was watching him when he was in his prime, I I think yeah. like I don't really I would not fault anyone for putting Selman on their list. It's, I think it's just a matter of the times and and the age gap where yeah. I wouldn't necessarily go with uh, Selman over Sap. But the reason why I had Sap on my list, and again, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier is. When I was a kid and not being from Tampa and just hearing about the Bucs and then watching them in that Super Bowl, yeah. when I think about the Bucs and that defense, probably the first or second person I think of is Warren Sapp. Yeah. And that's probably why I had Warren Sapp over someone like Derek Brooks, who is equally as deserving and has yeah. all the accolades that you can go with. You know, Sapp, you know, you said it wasn't the most loved guy Monday through Saturday, but he got it done on Sunday. But yeah. He just brought that attitude and – Obviously, he scored a couple of touchdowns too on offense, and then yeah. you know those there was that flair to it that I think made him entertaining for for better or for worse. And then you look at his stats too: seventy seven career sacks, that uh, second on the list or first, depending on who you yeah. ask. The Bucks or the NFL: fifteen career forced fumbles, three hundred eleven sacks and uh, tackles, and sixty four mm -hmm. tackles for loss. His nineteen ninety nine season when he won the Defensive Player of the Year is yeah. 
insane. He played 15 games, 41 tackles, 12 and a half sacks, and four forced fumbles. And again, this is as a defensive tackle, all right? Yeah. Like, not an edge rusher. Right. It is so much tougher to get sacks when you're lining up, uh, you know, over the, the center or across from a guard and getting double yeah. teamed a lot. But, Scott, what did Warren Sapp do the year after he won Defensive Player of the Year? Oh, he just recorded 16 and a half yeah. sacks. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it's crazy, right? And and keep in mind, back then, and Sap will tell you this: back then, you ran the ball to win games. I mean, you know, you, it was yeah. not uncommon to have 30, 35 rushes, you know, uh, you know, to to win. And and uh, uh, so, I, I think in in the mid two thousands, the the thinking began to change. You don't necessarily need a thousand yard running back to go to the Super Bowl and win it, right? That, that was that was kind of the, the the formula, though. If you didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher in the 80s, the 90s, early 2000s, I mean, good luck. I mean, that's just how it was. Um, so, you know, even that year, Charlie Garner was was one of the, the big-time offensive weapons when they beat the Raiders in the Super Bowl that year. So, for that reason, um, Warren Sapp, just for his leadership, his persona, what he was able to do, the statistics – uh, the 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 culture changing play uh, he was he was a bad man I mean he really was and so you know I, I you know, I've even asked him I said what would you do in today's game because there's so many quick <laughs> three step drops there's so many smoke routes right would you you know would you would you not get as many sacks because it doesn't seem like there are as many um, defensive tackles outside of Aaron Donald getting double digit sacks. And he said, Scott, he's like, they're throwing the ball 40, 45, 50 times per game. I was playing, yeah, there were more maybe five, seven-step drops, but I was playing when they threw the ball 25 times per game in running at 35. So that's it's an interesting scenario to think about. The other thing is, as he said, you know, I, I've gone up against Randall McDaniel, Larry Allen. Like, who are the great guards in this day and age, right? Who's, who's Aaron Donald, you know, legitimately beat? Uh, to get some of these sacks. Uh, Ali Marpet and, retired. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ali Marpet was a good player, right? You have, you have yeah. Quentin Nelson, but I mean, th there's there's just, there's not there's not as many uh, of those Hall of Fame caliber guards in this day and age that there was back then. And I think that part of the reason is because you had to be able to pass protect and run block back then. And I think it meant a little bit more for Hall of Fame voters to sit there and say, oh, you had a thousand yard, uh, rusher and a 3000 yard passer. Damn, you're a good guard, you know, on a, on a high scoring offensive team. So Warren Sapp was, was Matt and I, uh, other pick yeah. the other, the other, um, Scott, can I make one more point about Warren sure, Sapp? If absolutely. you don't mind. Yeah. Another reason why I picked Warren Sapp and this goes to the perspective type of things is, you know, I've just seen the way that you've talked about Warren Sapp, the way Mark cook has talked about Warren Sapp and, Man, I really wish Mark could have done a, a podcast oh, like yeah. this talking know, about the all-time uh, He'd race. be all over it, yeah. Yeah, he would have been yeah. awesome with that. And the way uh, Peter Reports photographer Cliff Welch has spoken about Warren Sapp. And you just yeah. see with, you know, the the excitement, the, the infliction in your voice when you talk about Warren Sapp. It was just, you know, it came down to the, when I was picking some of the old school guys. Yeah. It came down to Brooks and Sapp. And I just thought about the way that you, I've heard you guys yeah. tell stories about sap and it just like that's yeah. essentially kind of what it came down to you know what's funny is is for the for the longest time i had Derek brooks as the greatest buccaneer of all time and it was actually mark cook who changed my mind now mark cook again the late great mark cook 
Uh, we love him, uh, miss him miss terribly. Him I was just talking about uh, him uh, to, to good friend David Kahn at Bespoken Company today, uh, talking about Mark. Um, you know, Mark Cook, as as much as he loved his Buccaneers, he loved his Seminoles just as much, right? It was a Saturday, Sunday. I got the like, sign up there for him. Yeah, for, that's for right. I mean, thing, it yeah. was like a, a, a double-barreled weekend for him. Knowles on Saturday, Bucks on Sunday. But as much as, as he loved Derek Brooks being a, an, a Seminole great, um, you know, we would have these kind of wars, like these statistical things that say, you know, Derek Brooks is he is the the most decorated Buccaneer of all time, right? More mm -hmm. all pros, more Pro Bowls, um, you know, just like Sap, he was the defensive player of the year. And, you know, Mark, he did that in 2002, which is when they won the Super Bowl. Then he caps it off the Super Bowl with a pick six. I mean, yeah. how could it not be Derek Brooks? And what changed my mind was, was he said, okay, you're drafting a team. Which Buccaneer are you starting with? Who is your who's your first pick if you're picking any Buccaneer player? And I was like, oh man, okay, I see where you're going here. He's like, <laughs> yeah, you're starting up front in the trenches with the badass, with the Mr. Accountability, with the culture changer, with the attitude, with the guy that can get to the quarterback and affect the quarterback, with the guy who's equally good at stopping the run. That changed my mind, and and I that's where it flipped for me, and and yeah. I've recognized Warren Sapp as the greatest Buccaneer of all time since then, and so, you know, that's that in full transparency, it was Mark Cook, a Seminole legend, that took me off of one Seminole and onto a uh, a Miami, Miami hurricane. hurricane, yeah. So, um, so that that does bring us to the fact that that myself and you and JC and Bailey all had Warren Sapp on our list, so now. We've talked about Brady and Evans. Now there's a couple of other guys we need to talk about. And uh, Derek Brooks got got on the list for J.C. Allen and also for Bailey Adams. We're going to talk about Rondé Barber, though, because that's the guy that you and I had as the other defensive player uh, on this team. And, Matt, let me hear your case for why you picked, like I did, Rondé Barber over Derek Brooks. I believe my first line in the PR roundtable was, if, if Rondé Barber isn't going to make the if Rondé Barber keeps getting snubbed from the NFL Hall of Fame, I'll be damned if he's going to not make the, <laughs> the, the Bucks Mount Rushmore. I love it. I just think when you look at what Rondé Barber has meant to the Bucks organization, the fact that he's played so long for this team and only played for one team. Yeah. Look at the, the you know, he has 14 touchdowns. Okay. Yeah. He's one of two players in NFL history to make the 40-20 club. That's, That's right. over 40 interceptions and uh, 20 sacks. He has 47 career interceptions yeah. and 28 sacks. Uh, 47 those interceptions are the Bucs all-time league uh, – sorry, the Bucs uh, franchise record in interceptions. He's a three-time All-Pro player. Um, he was on the NFL 2000s All-Decade team, so he's making those teams, but he can't make the Hall of Fame. And – I just want to go back to the, the touchdowns I was talking about. 14 non-offensive touchdowns. Scott, let me read to you the names of the players that are above him on the list. Devin Hester has 20, who is considered the greatest kick returner of all time, or punt returner. He will probably be in the Hall of Fame soon. Deion Sanders, I'm sure you've heard of him. Rod Woodson. Next up is Rondé Barber. Yeah. Rondé Barber's 14 non-offensive touchdowns is more than... Ed Reed, Hall of Famer. Uh, Aeneas Williams, Hall yeah. of Famer. And Charles Woodson, Hall <laughs> right. of Famer. 
Here's another thing that Rondé Barber has on all of those guys on that list, besides being up there with the touchdowns. Of all those players I just named, Rondé Barber is the only player on that list that only played with one team. And let's not forget, too, that Rondé Barber essentially invented the importance of the nickel corner position. And one last stat for you. Rondé Barber is the all-time leader in consecutive starts for defensive back. I believe the number is 215. But nonetheless, it's over 200 starts as a defensive back. He has the longevity. He has the stats. He has the highlight play, of course, the pick six in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles. How is this man not in the Hall of Fame? He has NFL (laughs) records, team records. Yeah. Across the board, you everyone know, knows Rondé Barber. How is he not in the Hall of Fame? As much as I love John Lynch, and you saw, you know, John and I and, and you, we talked out there at the NFL owners meeting for 15, 20 minutes reminiscing and got a great relationship with John Lynch, right? I, I still text him. I love John Lynch. This is, again, this is, this is kind of like, um, you know, I, I'm not dissing John, but if you're going to put John in the Hall of Fame, Rondé's a better player. He's got better statistics. He just is. I'm not saying take take John out and put Rondé in, but yeah. if you're going to have John in, you got to put Rondé in, right? Just for that reason. And Matt, um, he, he, again, he's got this signature play in franchise history. That pick six catapulted the Buccaneers past the Eagles. Finally, I mean, the Eagles were the Buccaneers' nemesis for you know 2000, 2001. I mean, the Bucks playoff seasons ended in Philly. Then they had to go back there a third year in a row after they had lost there during the regular season and, and then, and win. And so I, I just think that Rondé Barber, he's my all time greatest favorite Buccaneer apologies to Warren Sapp. Sapp's number two. He knows that Rondé's my guy. Um, he's, he's the, the guy for me. And here's reason. Here's the reason why he is over Derek Brooks. He became the prototype of what a nickel cornerback is and will be. And as much as I like Derek Brooks, he's a tremendous coverage linebacker, one of the best coverage linebackers of all time. They didn't blitz him because he was too valuable in coverage. That's why you see guys like Levante David and you know Devin White have more sacks than Derek Brooks did. Um, I don't know if Devin's there yet, but he's pretty close. But my point is, is Rondy Barber is the prototype of the nickel corner. Now, back in the day, and even to this day, when you think nickel corner, you think, that's the the guy coming off the bench to play in the slot on third downs or obvious passing downs. But Rondé Barber was the outside corner in, in base defense on first and second down. Mm-hmm. Then when it was third and eight, he moved inside. He didn't come off the field. So he wasn't one of these subs that come in like, like oh, he's the, the slot sub. No, he was on the field. He was an outside corner on first and second downs. Then – he was that nickel slot corner on third downs, and he thrived in both positions. I don't think he gets enough credit for being an outside corner, but Barber didn't come off the field. And Matt, Matt, when I say Barber didn't come off the field, this guy did not miss a single start for the final 13 years of his career. 13 years did not miss a start, all the way up to age 37, when he started 16 games at free safety for Greg Schiano in 2012, as much as I love Derek Brooks and all of the, the accolades that he's, he's got, if there was room for five, that would be Derek. Yeah. Brooks. Agreed. A hundred percent. I agree with that. Brooks, again, it was really tough to keep him off the list. You yeah. look at the Super Bowl winning year, 
It felt like he had a pick six in every single game or scoring a <laughs> touchdown in like every single game. And, and I think too, just every Bucks fan watching this show or listening is going to know all the players that we mentioned. And, yeah. you know, it, it, across the NFL world and, and fans and, and media and everything, everyone knows who Derek Brooks is. Correct. But I just, I don't know if, Brooks was necessarily like a household name, kind of like Sap was. Yeah. Or the way that I feel like I feel like people outside of Tampa, if they think about that Bucks defense, they think of like Rondé Barber more than Derek Brooks. I could be completely wrong on that, but that's how it was for me. I just think Brooks was a little more and under the radar isn't even the right word because people like knew what he was yeah, about I mean, and how great of a linebacker he was. It's just Maybe you got caught a, in the mix of other great linebackers too. Yeah, I Sap think. had a grandiose personality, right? And and Simeon Rice was just from a different planet, you know. And yeah. John Lynch, there, there were so many stars there. And and Brooks had his place. They called him the Godfather. Um, but he he was more quiet. He just didn't have that grandiose personality. And and his 2002 season was one for the ages. It just really mm-hmm. was it was phenomenal. So uh, if you're wondering. JC picked Derek Brooks and so did Bailey Adams. So um, here's what we have so far. Myself and Matt picked Warren Sapp, Rondé Barber, Tom Brady, and Mike Evans. Those are the four that Matt and I picked. And then um, then you look at uh, JC Allen. He picked Sapp. He picked Brooks, Brady, and Evans. And then Bailey Adams picked Sapp. Brooks, Selman, and Evans. He was the only one to go with three defensive players and one mm-hmm. offensive player. The other wild card uh, was was Josh Capo, who picked Mike Evans, Tom Brady. He picked Leroy Selman. But then he also picked Hardy Nickerson. And that was an interesting uh, selection. And, and his reasoning for that was, uh, and I love Josh because he looks at things a little bit differently. right? He's got a different perspective. That's right. what's awesome about our it's team. Yeah, needed. it is. And listen, you will not find a bigger champion than myself to get Hardy Nickerson. Okay, I think Scott froze there. Uh, as many listeners and viewers know, his his uh, laptop tends to crap out at times. But this actually comes at the perfect time because then I could tell you guys about Pin Chasers the proud sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Guys, if you don't know about Pin Chasers by now, what are you doing? We've had Pewter Report bowling leagues there. We've had uh, special events there, including the A-Train, Mike Allstott. We've had events with him there, and, uh, along with Martin Gramatica. But going to <laughs> – shout out to uh, Joel, who said RIP Scott's laptop. Scott will be back on in a second. But, guys, going to Pin Chasers is more than just – going to your typical bowling alley, all right? It's a fun night out with friends and family because they have different deals literally every single night, all right? They got all-you-can-eat pizza. They got all-you-can-bowl. They got Dollar Miller Lights. They got different deals every single day. Brunch on the weekends, very great because the food is underrated. Pizza's great. Nachos are great. You can get chicken tendies if you want to. So it's a great night out with friends and family. You'd also host a birthday party for your kids. You can reserve a lane. They got a little uh, arcade area so the kids can bowl and play video games at the same time. So make sure you go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane and or book a party. Again, that's pinchasers.net. And their owner, Anthony Peroni, is a huge Bucks fan. 
So you're supporting a fellow Bucks fan that has season tickets. You're supporting a Bucks fan, a Bucks fan in the community by going to Pin Chasers, and that's pinchasers.net. Scott, uh, we lost you there for a second yeah. when you froze. Um, you were just getting into talking about Hardy Nickerson. Yeah, he broke my laptop. Um, you know, he yeah, did, he, <laughs> he did his his incredible Hulk smash and uh, broke my laptop. So, yeah, I mean, the thing with Hardy Nickerson that was that was uh, awesome as as a young reporter, I was intimidated by him because he was he was Warren Sapp before Warren Sapp, and I think with Josh Capo, what he said about about Nickerson and why he put him on the list was. Would Warren Sapp be Warren Sapp without Hardy Nickerson? Would Derek Brooks be Derek Brooks without Hardy Nickerson? Would John Lynch be John Lynch? Would Rondé Barber be Rondé Barber without the leadership that that Hardy Nickerson gave this team? And and that, that's an interesting perspective. It really is, right? Um, Hardy Nickerson was, a, I believe, a three-time Pro Bowler in in uh, Tampa Bay and helped take the buck took the Buccaneers to the playoffs in '97 and '99. And, um, you know, that's he he was the guy that that taught those young Buccaneer greats on defense how to lead, how to be dominant, uh, how to not be afraid of, uh, you know, of uh, of the competition, Um, because the Buccaneers before Hardy Nickerson and and company turned it around, they were the Yuccaneers. They weren't the Buccaneers. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that there's something to be said for that. I think. As an individual player, Hardy is—he's going to be in my top five. I, I should say top ten, probably now because this list keeps growing. Matt, you got Mike Evans, you got Tom Brady. Again, it would have been defensive players. Hardy might have been number five a couple of years ago. Now he's sliding down the list closer to number ten. Um, can't fault that logic because you know what came first, the chicken or the egg? That was one of the questions posed to the Buccaneer players by Buccaneers.com the other day as they're coming off the field. That was yeah. a pretty fun uh, <laughs> little exercise there. So we don't know what, you know, if Sapp would have reached his full potential or Brooks or Lynch or Barber, these, these great players that, that made the hall of fame and that made our list here. Um, but Hardy Nickerson certainly had something to do with it, right? He didn't, didn't end up winning the Super Bowl here, but he was part of the foundation that got the Buccaneers there in, tw- in 2002. Yeah, I think there's been a a solid trend of that if you look across the the Bucks history of of guys that have paved the way for others. Mm-hmm. One in particular that I really think of wasn't even players, it was coaches. You know, Tony yeah. Dungy was there when he formulated that defense that went on to be a Super Bowl champion and mm-hmm. then John Gruden was the head coach obviously when um you know, when they won it, but I don't think it's too often that you see you see it in the Bucks Ring of Honor. Like Tony Dungy is in the Ring of Honor as a coach. He didn't win a Super Bowl. He went on to win a right. Super Bowl with the Colts. So yep. at the end of the day, everyone's happy. You know, Dungy got a Super Bowl. The Bucks won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Monty Kiffin is in as a defensive coordinator. And I don't <laughs> think you see that too much. Yeah. Uh, you know, across the leagues when an assistant coach gets yeah. into, you know, Ring of Honor or Team yeah. Hall of Fame, whatever you want to call it. So I think you've seen a lot of examples of Players like Hardy Nickerson, as you just mentioned, and yeah. coaches with Tony Dungy mm-hmm. giving the reins over to, you know, when John Gruden took yeah. over. There's a, a lot of those examples of players and coaches paving the way, whether they wanted to or not, yeah. but paving the way for, you know, others to succeed. Right. And the interesting thing is just we'll kind of end on this note, right? I mean, Brad Johnson was was a, a, a really good quarterback, right? He didn't really set a whole bunch of records here, but he steered the ship. 
and it was a defensive-minded you know team that that won the Super Bowl in, in 2002. Brad did his part certainly by throwing a couple touchdowns to to um, Keenan McCardell in that game, mm-hmm. but I had chance to to have dinner with Brad and also see Monty Kiffin at the Sports Club of Tampa Bay Hall of Fame induction. Both of those gentlemen were inducted and rightly so into the Sports Club of Tampa Bay Hall of Fame this past week. And I went up to Monty and reminded him. I said, Monty, I said, you know, what I've always loved about you aside from the Tampa two was the fact that you, not Tony Dungy, not John Gruden, you are the all-time winningest coach in Bucks history because his career spanned both of those legends. So it was awesome to see him in the Bucks Ring of Honor. And then for Brad Johnson, you know, this team drafted Kyle Trask. And and you 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 heard Jason Light after they drafted him, they said, you know, this is this guy kind of reminds us of, of Brad Johnson, kind of a you know, pocket passer, you know, strong enough arm, has really good touch, you know, accurate guy that can really, you know, distribute the ball to to the weapons. And that was good enough to win a Super Bowl, right? And now you've got Tom Brady, who's just the GOAT. But something tells me. Um, obviously, if the Buccaneers are going to win another Super Bowl after Tom Brady leaves, Matt, it's not going to be with, with that type of caliber of, of a quarterback. But as the 2002 Buccaneers showed, and even the, the 2020 Bucs showed, if you can build a defense, right, if you have the weaponry, you can essentially have a point guard type quarterback that as long as he stays away from the turnovers, and, and it's not like Jameis Winston, Get the ball to your playmakers. Play a really good defense, and you can win a Super Bowl. And that's what we saw in 2002 especially, but also in that game from the defensive side in in 2020. That's a great point, and I think that's something that we talked about when Brady was still retired for the the 41 days where this team can still win right now and still win the the division because they have a very talented roster on both sides of the ball. Just got to make sure you have the right guy to steer the ship, and we thought that was going to be our guy playing Gabbard. Then yeah. Tom Brady came out of retirement. Yeah, ruin that. Tom, Thanks, yeah. Tom. <laughs> when it comes to Tom Brady and Brad Johnson, there's, I mean, there's no comparison. Yeah. When it comes to who's the better quarterback, that's clearly Tom Brady. But yeah. if you want to talk about the TikTok games between Tom Brady and Brad Johnson, yeah, that's very close. I mean, Brady's <laughs> very funny on social yeah. media, and his TikToks are good. Big he bad had a, Brad with his trick shots, man. I'll tell you, Brady was, had the one the other day. I think yesterday he was, uh, you know, giving a little jab to his buddy Peyton Manning. But yeah. Brad Johnson with the trick shots, oh man, it's that's insane. insane. <laughs> like, they insane. are absolutely crazy. He's yeah. built a great second career just as a TikTok star with these trick shots. So Brady and Brad Johnson, quarterback, we know the answer to that. TikToks much closer than you think. We lose you there again. All right. looks like we lost Scott again, which is quite all right, because we are about to wrap up today's show. Just want to thank everyone for watching again as I sign off solo here on the show. And just want to remind everyone again to make sure you like and subscribe. Yeah. to our YouTube channel. Hey, Scott's back. Awesome. Just yep. Again, just want to say to everyone, please like and subscribe our YouTube channel. It helps with our algorithm and helps get the Pewter Report podcast out to other people that are football fans or Bucks fans that might not know about us. And we obviously have a podcast that goes for about an hour long each day. We got a lot of shorter clips, too, from just segments of the podcast, along with when we're at the facility, the press conferences that go on. So, 
it, you know, if you if you like the content that we're churning out along with pewterreport.com, all of our articles that we have there, just do yeah. us a favor, like and subscribe. It's free, doesn't cost you anything, just lets you know when you know we have a new video or a new podcast coming up. It would do us uh, a lot of help with that. And again, we appreciate everyone that watches, listens to our show, and of course reads um, you know, all of our content on pewterreport.com yeah. as well. Scott, any uh, any parting words? Uh, go Bolts tomorrow night. That's going to be a fun. We're, we're waiting for that for sure. Um, they're going to be heading out to Colorado, you know, and uh, uh, folks, if if you want to get to Colorado, well, you know, you can take a trip if you want. That's that's fine. Uh, it's summertime. It, Colorado is a, a great place to go visit. But if you want to you know, maybe go out there for an extended stay or retire out there, well, there's one place to turn. And that's our friends over at Muni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. Got to get out to Colorado, man. We absolutely do. Managing your family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. Folks, do what I did. Call a Muni Financial. Let Mark and David and their team help you plan ahead and stay ahead. They get over 40 years of experience in the Tampa Bay area. They can help you nationwide. So even if you have a financial advisor, doesn't hurt to get a free second opinion, right? Give them a call, 1-800-868-6864 or visit amuni.com. Matt, that was a fun show. Really enjoyed seeing everybody's comments in the chats with their own Mount Rushmore for the Buccaneers. That was awesome. We're going to be back tomorrow, folks, at 4 o'clock Eastern time with another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Just found out word shortly before going on the show, we're going to have Rashad White, Bucks rookie running back on at some point in the near future working with his team and his schedule to find out when we're going to have him on, but it, I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. So uh, appreciate that, Emily, and thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. <laughs>